Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. I'm going to begin with verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And if you'll go a few more pages or so forward to Exodus, the next book, the book of Exodus, chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the generation, unto the children, upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. I'd like to minister for a little while this morning on raising up a generation that loves God. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The, uh, maybe an easy way to identify a generation would you take maybe those that were born in a certain period of time. And uh, for an example, the Bible said in the book of Exodus about Joseph and that he died and all his brethren and that generation. So you get the group, the degrouping. They kind of, you've heard it said, the baby boomers. And uh, that was a generation of those that were born in a certain decade. And... Uh, you know, it's funny because they were all hippies. They were all freaks. And they were all exceedingly irresponsible and, you know, just doing really weird and odd things. And, and then uh, one day, I guess the light bulb went on. And they grew up, uh, got jobs, got education, got responsible. And they, you know, some of them became lawyers and some of them became uh, technicians of some kind and others went into computers and different different things. And so now what they couldn't get when they were younger and irresponsible and their brains were all scrambled and they had no direction, they had a lot of mouth, you know, that was the generation that was against everything, everything. They were anti-establishment. I think one of the longest words in the Bible is uh, anti-disestablishmentarianism. And what that is is that that's a stance against uh, the established things. 
And um, they were against that, all that 60s and 70s, um, just against everything. And they were going to change everything. Sometimes they weren't even didn't even know about what they would change it to, but they were going to change it. So, uh, you know, the enemy, the enemy, he brings anarchy, he brings rebellion, he brings disobedience. Uh, he's certainly the father of that and lies. And, uh, I mean, we're talking about a spirit that rose up in God's face and set in to tell God how things ought to be. And, um, of course, you read the Bible and you know that he was cast out of heaven. And that's pretty much the consequence that you're going to find when you rise up against God, when you rise up against his leadership. You're going to find yourself put out. And uh, in being put out, well, then, of course, he's going to change everything. He's going to. He's going to con he couldn't convince God, and uh, he was able to convince a third of the heavenly host. And then having come down, unfortunately, for us to planet Earth, he began to work on the hearts of men and women in an attempt to get them to follow him, to listen to him uh, in his complaint. His opposition. You ever read in the Bible about oppositions of science falsely so-called? Yeah. So there are things that bring opposition, but they're they're false. They're false. Just a spirit that's contrary and disobedient. And uh, Joseph, Joseph died in all his generations. Passed away. Well, you might want to remember that because that's going to happen. The point on the man wants to die. And the thing about that is, you don't know when. Some live longer than others, and some don't live very long at all. Dean Fitzfell was telling me about two twins that were co joined and how that they passed away. When they were, obviously, the doctors were in hopes of uh, being able to separate them, and uh, but they, they didn't make it. And such a very short lifespan there. Some, some die as babies, and, uh, of course, some people live to be 100. So that's the whole thing. A person doesn't know, do they? But the thing that you can know is the Lord. You can know him in the power of of his might. And when God was giving out to Moses and through Moses the law, then he made it clear when he said, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, them that hate me. 
verse 6, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Hence I say to you, we want to raise up a generation that loves God. <clears throat> As Jesus made it clear, he said, love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength to do that, to love God. That's a, that's a big challenge to bring your body, soul, and spirit, as that is written in the Scripture, into uh, control under God's Spirit so that you could love God, that you could be among them that love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you would now, I'd like to turn to the book of Genesis. Ah, I'm sorry. The book of Acts. The book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. And this is, of course, <clears throat> the chapter that gives to us the birth of the only church that Jesus ever built or gave birth to. And in this chapter, you'll read where they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other languages or tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability to do so, or the utterance, the ability to do so, the utterance that was coming forth. You ever read in the Bible where the psalmist said, let my sentence come forth from thee, that the things that I'm saying, that my, my words, my sentence, my thoughts are coming from the presence of the Lord, from a, a godly uh, initiation, if you please. It's not coming from my human spirit. It's not coming from outside influences. It's not coming from things that are, uh, shall we say, anti-Christ and anti-God. But it's, it's actually coming from the presence of the Lord. That I'm getting my inspiration from Him. I'm inspired of the Holy Ghost. That's how we got the Word of God. Holy men of old spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost or inspired of the Holy Ghost. And in this second chapter of Acts, <clears throat> Peter is chosen. Now, I never read. I read where the eleven stood with him. I never read where they were stood against him or they were jealous that how come Peter gets to do that? No, I don't. Bartholomew could have said that, but he didn't. And others could have said it, but they didn't. They stood with him. And Peter, uh, standing forward, preaching the word of God, gave the first message on the first day of the only church Jesus ever started. And he said, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly, verse 36, that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked or cut in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What would you have us do? What's the next instruction? Where, where do we go from here? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
verse 39 said, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Please pay attention now to the next verse, verse 40. And with many other words did he, that is Peter, testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. An untoward generation. Well, I'm going to tell you what. If the generation that they were living in and dealing with back then, almost 2,000 years ago, would be described by the Holy Ghost as untoward or ungovernable, unruly, disobedient, rebellious, stubborn, contrary. Please tell me what it would be described as today. I think what you would probably have to say is it's that generation times a thousand. You know, it's just magnified. It's it's exploded exponentially. And here we are in the midst of it. We're in the midst of it. We're not, as we've said before, in the last days anymore. We're in the end of the last days now. And consequently, we need to realize that we have some challenges magnified before us. We not only have, as they did, the spirit of Antichrist to contend with and be aware that it was even then in their midst, but we're about to enter into that time of the actual manifestation of the Antichrist, that wicked one, that man of sin, that son of perdition. And everybody said amen. So there is a magnification. And and this thing is uh, just getting bigger and I will say better. But I am glad that the Bible said where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And so the thing that's going to bring the grace to us, though, is our humility, that we're, we're going to love God. We're going to grow up into being and develop into being that chosen generation, a chosen generation. Now, it's going to be a marvelous thing to be a part of this generation that loves God. Not a generation that hates God, not a gen- and that's the word he used in Genesis, them that hate me. You know, God realized that and, and wanted to make it clear through his word, there, there's some that hate him. They hate him. Now, for us that are have obeyed Acts 2.38, we've obeyed from our hearts that form of doctrine which was delivered unto us. It's very difficult for us to imagine hating the Lord because we've been changed. We've been converted. We did at one time, as Paul made it clear, those things that are were contrary, contrary, that we were contrary. We were against God. We were against his mind and his will and his wishes, his desires. We were. 
because we were born in sin. We were shapen or misshapen in iniquity or lawlessness. The environment that we found ourselves birthed into in this physical world was one of disobedience, one of rebellion, one of pride, arrogance. And that's what we came up into. And we begin to accustom ourselves to it. We really didn't know anything else. That's what we knew. And I have seen and witnessed in my 40 plus years in the church, um, I've seen a great degeneration going down, a breaking up. If I gave to you what my pastor's wife said, she said when she was growing up, she said when children and parents were together or children and adults were together, she said children didn't speak. She said they were taught to be respectful. They were taught to listen. Whole different thing now, isn't it? Not that way anymore now. There's no thought anymore to respect. There's no thought anymore to showing a an attitude that is non-offensive. Rather, it's you know, I was in a. This happened a couple of months ago, maybe three months ago, but Team Fitzfeld and I were in a place and. We thought maybe we'd get a little bite to eat. And all, we heard this voice, and this woman, young woman, was just talking so loud. And um, all of a sudden, she held up her glass that had been delivered to her table of juice. And she said, uh, excuse me, I don't drink pulp in my Good thing I wasn't conservative. <laughs> I think I, I either would have quit or been fired because I don't think my reaction would have been, you know, exactly like this little prima donna, or what's that word, diva? Is it diva? Uh, was it was looking for, you know? And, uh, <laughs> or come back out with a strainer maybe and say, okay, honey, here, strain it out. Whatever, right? Attitude. Attitude. You know your attitude, your your altitude is determined by your attitude. And uh, we have a generation, we're living in a time where people are not going to make the first resurrection. Now, you probably think I'm talking about all them lost people out there that aren't baptized in Jesus' name until they say so. But I'm talking about people that's supposed to be a part of the chosen generation. That if, if they don't repent and get delivered from some attitude, they're not going to get any altitude. They're not going to get up off this land. It's not going to happen. You know, we had a sister, a dear old sister, Sister Cannon. And the Lord gave her a dream. And in the dream, he showed her going in the first resurrection, commonly referred to as the rapture. Actually showed her that. And, uh, you know, I, I want us to make that. 
I want to be able to feel that your confidence is going with me. But you're going to have to be cultivated in a generation that loves God. You're going to have to love him. You're going to, not, not in some generic, you know, the world does. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. They don't even know what that means. Because for you to love Jesus, you've got to have the Holy Ghost. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Okay, you have to receive that experience. You have to be born again. You have to go through that transformation. Okay, you've got to go through that uh, leaving one whole entire lifestyle and attitude and frame of mind and spirit, and you've got to be transformed to a a new attitude and a new frame of mind. And a whole new birth. Okay? That's why Jesus said you must be born again. You know, God's the one here that is the lawmaker. And what God says goes. And I got news for you. There's not going to be any exceptions. If you're not born again, you're not going anywhere. Not anywhere up anyway. You'll be going somewhere. But where you'll be going, I don't know. That right now, this is not a pleasant thing, but it's something you need to know and be aware of, because we're living in a time also where um, they don't they don't want to tell you about hell. They actually want to tell you there is no hell, and of course they don't want to claim there's any blood either. They want to talk about the blood, and uh, it's kind of like what they're carrying into the school system. There's not going to be any, any more grades. Not going to use a red pen either. Everything's supposed to be non-offensive. Doesn't matter that it doesn't reflect reality. Doesn't matter when something's not true. I'm beginning to find out that people, either they don't know what the definition is, but I do believe they do. But um, they proclaim they don't, or they act like they don't, and that is lying. People think they can say anything they want, and it's not a lie. And consequently, they don't think there's anything wrong with what they're doing. So in other words, there's nothing wrong with lying to them. Okay? We're living in a very rebellious generation, none forward generation, magnified from the beginning to now, many thousands of times over. And here we are having to swim in these waters. This is it. This is what, where we're at. There's no, there's no changing it. The changes that's going to take place is what the Antichrist, who's going to think to change laws and times. And we're watching that take place. The things that are changing. Okay? Things that God ordained. Man to be a man. Woman to be a woman. But you don't hardly pick up a newspaper anymore for what you're reading about certain groups, you know. And when they took the radio station and sold it, uh, I noticed that now uh, they brought in that certain group on the radio, certain days, certain times. And they're certainly preaching their lifestyle and their way of thinking. 
pumping that right into. As, and they told me that the reason they sold the radio station is because they don't care anything about the glaze. Well, bringing what they're bringing in, I could believe that. They don't care what more destruction they could bring in or what more confusion they could bring in. As a matter of fact, it would appear that's exactly what they want to do. And that's just the job or the ministry of the enemy, isn't it? That he wants to bring confusion. He wants, if God said this, then he's going to say that. You know, if God said stand up, he's going to say sit down. It's just simplified. Whatever the Lord said, thou shalt not, the enemy's going to tell you, Well, I don't see why God would say that, because the enemy wants no rules. And I've found with people that are in the flesh, not in the spirit. Remember, Acts 2.38, John 3.5 is what saves you from the flesh, from sin, gives you a spiritual experience, puts you in the body of Christ, so you can operate in the spirit and according to the spirit. And that, as Romans said, you would mind the things of the Spirit, that your mind is constantly thinking and is on the things that are spiritual and of God. Okay, those aren't the furthest thing from your mind. Those are the things you want close to your mind. Everybody said amen. And if you do that, then the Bible teaches you're going to have, you're going to have life and you're going to have peace. Okay? But with... If you take the opposite, then you're going to have confusion and you're going to have misery. You're going to, you know, the flesh, you get in the flesh, everything bothers you. Everything. Every, everything. You know, the weather isn't right or the, you know, uh, or the door didn't open up smooth enough for you or somebody didn't look at you right, didn't act right. Everything will bother you in the flesh. Because the flesh wants to be pampered. The flesh wants what it wants, when it wants it, how it wants it. It gets very upset with anything that doesn't just cater to it. It gets grouchy. <laughs> it just constantly complains. Somebody asked me yesterday, I think they pointed out about the, the my 11th commandment. Thou shalt not complain. But the flesh complains always. It's too cold, it's too hot, it's too rainy, it's too dry. It's, you know. it's just going to complain. Somehow, somehow. I, tell, I often tell about the, the wife that fixed breakfast for her husband. And, uh, and he finally brings uh, it down to the table. <laughs> Sat out at the table. Oh! What? What was wrong? She said, I, I made your breakfast just like you like it. Two eggs, one up, one over. And he said, yeah, but you turned the wrong one over. Service is too long. Music's too loud. 
preaching. Too rough. Boy, that flesh. It's a big difference if you're not careful and you don't check yourself and examine yourself as the Bible teaches. That, uh, you know, when you when you first come and you fall in love with the Lord, I mean, you're head over heels in love with him. Everything is right about him, which is a true fact. But, I mean, you come to that realization. You come to embrace. You know, when Simeon of old took that child and lifted him up and said, Now mine eyes have seen thy salvation, the Lord's salvation, and I can depart in peace. I never read where he complained about anything about that child. Everything was really great, exciting, wonderful. He was so happy. When you get born again of water and spirit, I mean, you get baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. They, they got this song, you know, and light a fire in me, and I'm on a screen at the radio. That's the Holy Ghost. You want a fire lit in you? Get the Holy Ghost in fire. But they don't want that. They don't want that. They just want to take a nap. They just want to so-called accept Christ as their personal Savior. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says to be born again. The Bible says to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Well, they don't want that. And you can say that to some people and quote those scriptures and even show them right in the Bible, and they just glaze over. They glaze over. I don't know about you, but I deal with people all the time, and it's amazing. Um, you'll, you'll be looking right at them, and you'll be telling them, what they need to do. Whether it could be an instruction, take this box, take it downstairs, put it in such and such a closet, or take this box, take it upstairs, put it in such and such a room. And you just watch. Glazes over. Because what comes to the surface is, I really don't want to do this. No good. And so that's why you find the box, you know, in the garbage can. Nothing according to the instruction that you gave, you know, and uh, because it, it just goes tilt. And that's that old human spirit, that flesh. And that's what happens many times with, with people in the scripture. But it, more importantly, church family, it's when you're born again and you glaze over. That when you first came, you're so happy and so excited and you embrace Christ. You couldn't do enough, you know. You couldn't embrace it enough. You couldn't love it enough. And then, after a period of time, if you're not careful, you know, your love can wax cold. And it's not a fire burning in me. And at some point, it drops down to where we become very contrary. And become very indifferent, indifferent. There's a word that 
We don't often use it. But it actually it means to be indifferent. English word called blase. B-L-A-S-E, the little whoop. It really means to be indifferent. You know, when you tell your child for the 45th time to take the garbage out. Of course, some people will never tell their child again. There will be no response. We will, we will just hate it till we stop. Hate it till we stop. Hate it till we stop. And you just think it's just a little, little sweet little thing. One day the little sweet thing is going to grow up be a big monster. That you're not going to be able to do anything with. The Bible said, train up a child. There's some training that's got to go into this thing. And guess who's supposed to do that? Hmm? Well, Swamp. <laughs> You're supposed to be the teacher. You're supposed to be the trainer. Do it with love. We don't teach abuse. Not at all. But we should be training. We should be training. A child left to itself will become a wild animal. A child needs instruction. A child needs training. So then, don't forget, you and I get born again. We become a child of the king. And we need training. Because now we're born again. We're newborn babes in Christ Jesus. Did you know you got babes? <laughs> oh, friend, you are in God's eyes. Sure you are. Amen. You've heard of this nutcase called Lady Gaga. Well, I, I, I said Lady Gag, Gag me with a maggot. That's what I said. But anyway, I, I told, I told car I said, I told her she was Lady Gorgeous, Sister Lady Gorgeous. Uh-uh. I said, yeah, you are. Because you need to, you need to see yourself spiritually. You need to see the beauty of what God is developing in your life. You need to you need to see somebody that God has has taken uh, from a from inception with a, with a drug background and and coming right up into the church and the training and the teaching and the discipline and the and the um, toleration of the temper tantrums, you know. You had never seen the car on a temper tantrum. Let me tell you, the whole building shakes. <laughs> so, but we we've had to pray that out. We had to work that out. We had to discipline that out. You know, and and uh, and so you know, it's like um, <laughs> one day somebody was supposed to tell me uh, that our dear little Bacara had missed uh, several. Youth services, and I, I, I got a little bit upset, and I said, "So you didn't tell me? Now it's way after the fact." I said, "When were you going to tell me? When she's not coming to church anymore and she's pregnant? Is that when you were going to tell me?" You know, nothing like timely report here. Nothing like nipping in the bud. You know, so I'm saying that you need to examine yourself. You need to be honest. How is my attitude? How is my response? You know, is every sermon a conversation piece? You know, am, I, am I a fault finder? 
Am I looking for every little thing and every little blemish I can find? You know, you go on the Bed Bath and Beyond now, and you can you can get those mirrors, and they light up, you know, and they magnify about ten times. You look at the mirror, and you whoa, man, whoa, woo, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> but you got to remember that the mirror shows you that, but that's not how people see. Thank God, <laughs> their eyes don't quite get that. All right, thank God for that, right? Oh, brother. Well, you might want to remember that God's church is going to be without blemish. That's me too. <laughs> All right? You let this Holy Ghost in. You let this washing of the water by the Word work in your life. Okay? You let God's system, God's way, because He's raising up a generation. He told Noah, he said, you come on in the ark with all of yours, because I found you to be righteous before me, your generation, you, your little number, your little group, okay? And so you want, and that's what you got to understand. Now, the Bible says, 1 Peter 2, 21, 19 through 21, that it explains to you how that God was long-suffering in the days of Noah. God put up with a lot of junk. And even one place says God winked at, at man's ignorance. And uh, I think there was so much ignorance, he was winking both eyes, alternately, you know. And, uh, but you know, now, 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 he commandeth all men everywhere, that's all people, everywhere, Gotta, what it, I read in the Psalms said, um, I will be sorry for my sin. I will be sorry for my sin. So we bring what we hope will be a godly sorrow unto repentance. That we'll do it in, in a way that, that godlike, godly, a godlike way. It'll be genuine, it'll be real. Like I started to tell you about the telling the kids for the 45th time to take out the garbage, and, and you hear, oh, all right, not exactly the response I'm looking for, not exactly the attitude I'm looking for, you know, looking for a little more compliance here, looking for, <laughs> let's get on the same page here, let's work together, get a little bit better attitude about it. Let's all work together. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, together we can move mountains. Things can be accomplished. And the Bible talks about accomplishing the service of God. There's a, there's a job to do. There's that which is set before us. And God's trying to raise up through his church. That's his system. That's his body. He's trying to raise up. A generation that loves God. That you love God. I've got the feeling that when they threw that parade, Jesus came down through the street of Jerusalem. And on that donkey, he came down from, and they were grabbing palm trees, and they were taking off their outer coats, painting the road for 
and waving the palms to let him get his attention, let him know that they were very happy and about him coming and that they were they were screaming, David, David. We'd been in such a mess. We'd been so full of faces. Nothing has worked out. We're always being taken advantage of. Saved by the Lamb. And the scripture was being fulfilled as he came that day. You know, the, the scripture has foretold us these things. It's all there. And we're, we, we just need to be a part of the fulfillment of what the Lord has. And he made it clear. He said, a generation that loves me is a generation that loves me. I want to be a part of that fulfillment. I, I want to be numbered with that number. I want to be with that group. I want, to be with, I want to be with the right group. You know, I want to be with the right group. They're doing a, you know, it's identification. I'm trying. That's why I did that. There's ident, identification. There's identification. And we, uh, they, the the enemy wants to make trouble. Everybody said amen. The spirit always comes to make trouble. Now we've got we've got this deal going on about you know don't shoot. Okay? The world is always the world is always going to have its confusion and its murder and its violence and its hatred and everything else. Okay. Hey, remember, it was religious people that crucified Jesus. Full of religion. Now, our job, oh, I want to get the hands up. I want to get those hands up. Now, if we could just get the praise coming out, we could be going in the right direction then. You know? But the enemy wants to make everything a fuss. Everything. And you say, well, that ain't right. Well, there's a whole lot that ain't right. I'm trying to tell you. It's an untoward generation. It's an unruly, ungovernable, disobedient, rebellious. Ain't nothing new about that. Matter of fact, it's just magnified. It's got that beard. Woo! Whoa. That's right. That's right. There's a lot of things that we don't want to look at. Everybody said amen? Why we've never been a party to television because it's the constant tilt, the constant drink. It's not the invention. It's who's handling it. It's who's controlling it. It's what their agenda is. And all the other media communications, it's all designed to get to your mind, your heart, and to make for a generation that God said, they hate me. They hate my word. 
They hate my spirit. They hate my law. You better know that Satan hates God. Hates him. But you, you are to come out of that attitude. You're to come out of that way of thinking, way of acting. You're to come out of that. And you're to come into the church, the body of Christ. And you're to help make the church, the body of Christ, what it is, that better place, that chosen generation. Chosen to love God. Chosen to worship God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To worship Him in spirit and in truth. You're, why wait till you and put off and procrastinate and mully grub and complain until you get yourself in a big old mess. It's like I remember being at a conference and there was a young man and he was just shouting up and down the whole front of the stage. He just kept, he was like a machine. He never ran down. And somebody told me, said, you know what the story of that young man is? And that young man was about 35 years old by then, between 30 and 35 years old. And I said, no, I, I don't. You know, conference, people here from all over. I, I don't even know who he is. You know? But I sure been seeing him there. I said, what's the story? And they said, well, he got in trouble. And he, got, he had to go to jail. And he told God, he said, if you'll protect me in jail, let any of them get their hands on me. He said, I will worship you. I will praise you. He said, that's the story behind him. Running up and down, worship, praise him. You look like God running out of energy, energy or whatever. Don't wait till you have to make a mess out of everything. Do it wrong, to be appreciative and to be thankful and to praise him and to demonstrate that you love him, you know. I was in a local business here yesterday, as a matter of fact, and the guy that owns the business, he said, he said, you look good. He said, you look better. And I said, well, that's because I am better. I said, because Jesus healed me. He dropped the coat, dropped his coat. Somehow, people, they can't, they get convicted. They get very, very convicted because there's such an absence of God in their life. But church family, we've got to let our light so shine before men that they could see something good and that it would cause them to glorify our Heavenly Father. But that's that's the reason behind. We want it, all that we're doing, all that we're saying, all that we're involved in, we want it to rebound to the glory of God. We're not looking for us. You know what? It's all going to be okay if you just let God have the glory. 
just do what you do for God to get the glory. Examine yourself, as the Scripture says. Work on yourself. Save yourself. One thing to be Acts 2.38 saved. Then you got to go Romans to Revelation. Stay saved. Stay saved. Stay saved. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand together. Oh, yes. So the very first day of the only church that Jesus ever started, he told them, in saving them, he told them to save themselves. You're going to have to do your part. You're going to have to guard your heart. You're going to have to keep, that means to guard and protect, my commandments, my teachings. The Bible said the same. He listed out, he talked about, he preached, he gave a message. And the content of it, he said, submit, commit, the same. to faithful men and women. The same. That from the generation in the beginning to the generation now, you want to be bringing the same thing. We're not changing anything. I don't, I don't need to be shall we say, re-indoctrinated into what this world believes and says and does and how they believe it, say it, and do it. I don't want to be, you know, when I, when I first came into church, there was a movement on, uh, a religious movement, and it was called the Moonies. Anybody ever hear of the Moonies? And uh, they were they were in um, airports, bus terminals, on the street corners, selling flowers, raising money for this charlatan guy, this fake, phony guy. And uh, but the the Moonies, of course, they had no biblical truth whatsoever. But they. They were trying to influence young people especially, young people, young people. And parents were going nuts because all of a sudden their kids were running away and they were part of this group and parents were upset. So it gave rise to a business. And the business was to deprogram. They would get, they would get one of the kids that had gotten all taken with the Mooney thing. And then they would, you know, work on them like a psychologist or something. They would try to deprogram them. They would try to get out of their head what the Moonies put into their head. 
following you? Now, God delivers us. When we get baptized in Jesus' name, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. God delivers us. Jesus saves his people from their sins. Not in our sins, but from our sins. So he separates you and the devil, if you please. He gets the devil out of you, or the devils out of you. Didn't it say of Mary Magdalene in the Bible that seven devils were casted out? So we get delivered. A woman head down where her feet were. They got all jealous because Jesus healed her. She stood upright. People don't like it. Because they get very convicted. Because now you've got this light, and it shows them, and they're they're crouching in the darkness. Because people love darkness, because their deeds are evil, their lifestyles wrong. And uh, so. Getting delivered from sin where you don't curse anymore. You don't hate anymore. You don't fight anymore. You don't have a bad temper anymore. You're not running and involved with the things that you once were running to and involved with. You're you're not involved with the issues of this life. And in the confusion of it all. So why would I want to expose myself to get all re-involved with that? I wouldn't want to do that. Now, if you have a child or children, I more than likely you've had the experience of bathing that child dressing that child, only to have that child go get its food all over itself or go out through the mud, something, get all soiled all over. And, of course, you go nuts. Spiritualize that. You come into the church, you're a newborn babe in Christ. God has cleaned you up, inwardly and outwardly, head to toe. You've got a whole new mind here. You've got innocency again. And what we want to help you do is to maintain that. So, of course, when we can, we'd like to avoid things that are going to soil us again. And then we're going to have to employ the deprogramming program, aren't we? Isn't that why we don't want to forsake the assembling of ourselves together? We want to be in church. We want to be in prayer. We, we want to be in pre-service prayer. We want to be on time. Okay. We, uh, I was at a, you know, I don't wear a watch. 
because I, I lose every now and then. I, I only use Bank of Belgrade pens because invariably I'll lose them. I buy very cheap magnifiers because I'll probably lose that. I just have a tendency to lose things. And uh, so, at least that's one reason why I don't. But um, I was in a place of business yesterday, and young man, um, somebody asked me, said, is that watch you're wearing? I guess they asked me, is it a certain kind of watch? And uh, it had to do with the word smart. Smartwatch. I don't know if that means it'll do your test for you at school. I don't know. Smartwatch. And uh, so he said, no, no. He said, not a smartwatch. He said, but it looks smart. And I said, I said, you know what? I, and I wasn't the one asked that. I was just listening. And I spoke up and I said, you know, I'd like to have a smartwatch. I said that, you know, I'd like to be smart. I have a smart watch that makes me smart. That's what I would like. A smart watch that would make me smart. <laughs> and he laughed. He thought that was great. And he agreed with that. But you know, we have an experience. We have a truth that does make us smart. If we'll listen. If we'll obey. If we won't, if we won't go back like the sow that was washed. Didn't I just clean you up? To its wallowing in the mire. I wanna I wanna go back to that. I don't wanna expose myself to that. I want to try to do my part. That's another thing about kids. They, um, I don't know what it is, and I probably did it when I was young, but wherever the, the puddles are, they're going right for it, man. <laughs> you know, we're, and we're like, could you miss a few? <laughs> oh, brother, it's just something about that old flesh, isn't there? Something about that human nature, isn't there? It just, you know, it goes the path of least resistance. I don't know. Maybe it's training for walking on the water. I don't know. Maybe it's a test. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we don't, you don't need to go through all the muddy water of life. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. I know this is very contrary to an, to an attitude in the world. But you can get married first and then have children. You can be an honorable husband before you get involved. Let's see what involved. You see that? You see that? You can realize that there is a right 
or a righteous way to do things. And of course, I, I can feel that, that mind in that flesh right now. Who says that's right? God says that's right. That's who says that's right. And, and we're trying to line up with God. We're trying to get at one with God. We want to do it God's way. Because for many of us, oh, we did it our way, which was the devil's way. And we made mistakes. We stepped in every mud pot, pot, puddle. And, and we got to going in the wrong pattern so much that we got shorter. You know, I always tell Angie, she'll, she'll come and she'll wear her stilts and, and um, you know, she'll almost be up here at eye level. And then, then all of a sudden, she's down here. And I'm like, what happened? And then I realize, oh, she took, she took the stilts off. So I'm saying that there are, there are uh, you can get in such ruts doing the same thing wrong over and over again that after a while you kind of shrink. Making that rut. Making that rut. Let's not go back to the same old rut. Let's not. You know, a rut is nothing but a grave with both ends kicked out. Let's not go there. Let's not do that. That's not good for you at all. And that makes you what the Bible calls the haters of God. And if you're anywhere near a right mind, you don't want to be classified as a hater or classify yourself as a hater of God. You want to be a, that generation that loves God, that demonstrates God. What did Paul say? I came in the power and the demonstration. You want to demonstrate how I dress. Reflect that there's been an inward change. The devils were cast out. Legions of devils were cast out of that guy, and they found him clothed. Well, that tells you something right there, that he wasn't exactly clothed when he first came to Jesus. He was not modest. He was not proper. But the Holy Ghost made a difference. sitting. This is somebody that nobody, we had a kid one time, I promise you, he couldn't sit still. Now, in our academy, sitting still is a big part <laughs> of our system. And uh, concentrating and setting goals and good management principles, learning how to accomplish those goals. And uh, I, I finally, I put his his desk, right in front of my desk. And all that did was give me a bird's eye view of him not being able to sit still. It just brought it up closer. <laughs> I mean, he was a contortionist. You know, there's a woman that she has no arms. She's a teacher. She has no arms. And she can write on the blackboard using her leg with the chalk between her toes. She can do that. They say she's absolutely the best teacher. Kids love her. She can sit down at a desk 
and that leg comes up, and she can write on the paper, an essay. She adapted. She adapted. I read about a man, he has no arms or legs. It has not stopped him in life. And I'm thinking, you and I, in most cases, we've got all the extremities. And on top of that, we have this oh-so-great salvation. So really, there's, there should be no room nor desire to complain. There really shouldn't be. We just need to get with programming. We just need to get with the program. We just need to be that generation that's being trained up to love God. Now we stand. I purposely, I think, did not go into a lot of scriptures today that talk about generation because so many of them are negative. <laughs> you know, a generation of vipers generation of serpents, a generation that grieves God. I don't really want to go there. I'd rather talk to you about being that generation that loves God. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Let's be that generation that puts a smile on God's face. Let's, and let's be raising up the next generation. Okay? To do the same thing. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, it's, uh, I'm going to conclude by saying that when you have your way, all you do is prove how right the Bible is and how right the leadership is. It's like the girl that her mother said, you touch your finger, wet, wet your finger on the end of your tongue, and touch the iron real quick. That if it, you know, it'll tell you if it's hot, then you'll know. I think technology has kind of passed all that, but that was back in the day. And uh, so the girl she was dealing very fleshly, very contrary, very, you know, didn't want to do it. Didn't want to iron. And so she kept telling him, you've got to get that ironing done. You've got to get that iron done. All, all right. Goes over there and plug the iron in and wait a little bit. And she said, why do I have to touch my finger again? Why can't I just, ah! That's what she did. So all you're going to do is hurt yourself. She sure proved mom right. <laughs> I have a brother-in-law. He works at the Pentagon. And he's gone out of our lives a long time ago because he didn't want this truth. And, uh, but when he was a child, he was dancing around, dancing around his grandmother. His grandmother was from Italy. Enough said, right? And so she's dancing around. Burn me, Nana, burn me. Burn me, Nana, burn me. So 
Amanda took that arm, blah! <laughs> she gave him a shot, friend. Well, you know, that was wrong. So that definitely proved that two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> but uh, she was a little light up here by that time. She was elderly. And <laughs> but, friend, I'll tell you what, you know, a whole lot better to cooperate, to love him, to be in that generation, to be raised up in that generation and taught and trained and disciplined to love him, to love him. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, help us. I pray that you'll help us. I pray you'll save us from ourselves as well as the environment that we find ourselves facing. Oh, God, oh, God, I pray that our convictions be strong and have the courage of our convictions, oh, God. Please, won't you help us, oh, Holy One? Help us, O Holy One. I don't want to be a generation that God's grieved with. I want to be a generation that God's happy with. Let's sing and worship Him. God bless. There is no one else like you. Oh, no you are faithful. 